Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project and the host of this podcast. The Swan Song Project is a charity based here in Leeds, England, and we help people living with terrible illnesses or facing the end of their life through other things, and people who are dealing with bereavement to write and record their own original songs. We believe in celebrating lives, making memories, and leaving legacies. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. The podcast features songwriters. I ask them to share with us one of their songs. Uh, we talk about how they wrote it. I ask them to share a songwriting tip. And we also talk about songs meaningful to them relating to bereavement. This episode features the Dunwells, Joe and Dave. Uh, and it's a great conversation. And in it, we talk about their song, Summertime, which is their new single, which has been released. We also talk about the song, Will You Wait For Me? Uh, but links to both of the songs are in the description to this episode. If you want to pause it before it starts and familiarize yourself with the songs, if you're not already familiar with them, you can do that, or if not, we'll give you a point in the podcast where you can pause it then and go and listen to them. Uh, or if not, you just want to hear, hear some interesting stories about how they were written, you can do that too. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Okay, today I'm here with the Dunwells, Joe and Dave. Thanks for joining me, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks, good. We're looking forward to talking songwriting with you. Uh, so this is the Swan Song Project podcast. If you're new to this, uh, each week I have different songwriters on and I ask them to share with us one of their songs and talk about how they wrote it. Uh, I ask them to share a songwriting tip and I also ask them to share songs meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. So uh, which song of yours have you chosen to talk to us about today, guys? Um, we have chosen to talk to you about our, our brand new single, Summertime, which is just out. Um, and it's a, an upbeat summer vibe song because we've been in a, as you all know, we've been in the middle of a global pandemic for the best part of two years or coming up two years. Um, we just wanted to kind of bring some joy into into what we do. Really. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice, feel-good song, and the, the link is in the description to this podcast. If you're not familiar with the song yet, if you want to pause us, go listen to it, um, and we're going to have a chat about it. Um, so is this song that you wrote, so it's just come out now, is it a song that you've written during the lockdown? So, so we, we wrote it in, in the rainy months earlier earlier this year, and I think we were reminiscing the fact that, if you remember last, last year, the summer, even though that we were all locked up, the summer was so good. The yeah. weather was incredible. And uh, when we came out of it and then the winter months, we, I think we found lockdown was uh, a little bit more difficult um, with, with the weather change. And it, and the weather became the subject that we would be, I don't know, would reflect our mood and our, the way that we felt. And then when as we were coming out, we were like looking forward to the restrictions getting lifted throughout this summer period now. And we were like reminiscing if we had that weather that we had then. But had it with the restrictions coming up, it's going to be amazing. So when we started talking about it, um, we, we wanted to look forward as opposed to looking back. A lot of this, a lot of what we've been doing with our writing and just in general with our live streams and things like that is, is reflecting on, on on things that we've had and also the where we are. Now, now we wanted to kind of look forward. So we were talking about just just being with friends and being, you know, going to the pub, going to Headingley and, and having a few beers and driving to the beach, just things that you just, little tiny things that you took for granted and we didn't really have them. So we wanted to write a song that kind of just, we cel- we could celebrate not only this year, but somehow that feeling that we could take every time the, the summer kind of comes around. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It sounds like a nice way of, I like that we said about, you know, often writing is kind of reflected, isn't it? And looking back at stuff and then, it's nice to do it the other way of things that you're looking forward to. And I remember, yeah. like, I remember with the the first lockdown last year when we had that really good weather, and everyone saying like, "Oh, yeah, at least we've got the good weather." You know, the lockdown sucks, but at least we've got the good weather. And then this yeah. year, like the start of the year, just like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was funny because we were gonna go, we were gonna uh, record the the music video for it, and it just wouldn't stop raining. Like <laughs> for two three weeks, we were like. Right, we're going to do it this week, and it chucked it down. And then the next week, we pushed it back a week. And, we... and you can't release a song called "Summertime" in, well, and do a rainy video. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, luckily, luckily, we've just had some nice weather, so we've got it done now. Got it done, nice. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be uh, wouldn't would clash a bit, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so how was how did you find writing in in lockdown? Was it like 
did you find it different than usual? Like, did you was we quite productive during it? Or we've been really productive actually. We've yeah. we've we've written a bank of close to thirty songs. Wow. In lockdown, so we've we've pretty much got the next two to three albums worth of material done. I I, I learned piano. So I, I, first of all, I, I play guitar, acoustic guitar, um, but over lockdown, I, I set myself a challenge that I'm going to learn how to play the piano. And that is, just seems to have opened up a world of chord progressions and melodies. And um, so at the moment, I, like, I just can't stop writing. I'm like, I've, I've fallen madly in love with the process of how an idea can come from walking into work and you've got nothing and then all of a sudden you walk home and you've got a song it's just i think that's fascinating yeah yeah that's brilliant that sounds like you've used the time very well then um, yeah and i also think there was a um lockdown not only encouraged new things like the piano and 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 that encouraging the new melodies but when 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 we first got announced that we were going to get locked down we just came to the studio and we grabbed whatever equipment we could get in in the car and uh, Joe took a couple of mics home and a, his laptop and I took you know just enough to get recording some headphones and so that we could stay connected uh, and and finish some of the projects that we started but what that isolation led to me uh, more so and, and this is just from my point of view it's not it was that it uh, I've always said that um, the power of being able to play guitar and you know you're a musician yourself so you're like you know like it's like a little bit of a security blanket like anywhere you are in the world you can make friends anywhere in the world you can find some form of work accommodation allow yourself into a community somehow and then when the lockdown hit it like doubled down because i i all we had no gigs in the diary we had nothing in front of us all we had was our ability to to and that allowed me then started reflecting back on music that got me interested in music in the first place which is like stuff out of the back end of the 90s, early 2000s. And, and that kind of sound, I started reflecting back. And then because of that, all of a sudden, I just had this real energy to to write songs from the most simplistic, basic three chords, great melodies, great story, deliver it, yeah. rather than trying to make things all sparkly and, and, and ready to go. Yeah. And I that, that found that quite a really useful thing that I hope that I, I don't lose that again because I definitely felt like music was food again. And it was like, ah, oh, this is like, I'm just excited to find think, new music. I think because we've been a band for so long now and um, as songwriters, you go, you go, maybe this is the one and you don't even know what the, the one song is, but you, you're, it's like, I don't know, it's an addiction to the chase of the, could this mm. be the song that, stratospheres your career could this be a song that connects to the worldwide audience and you just don't know because it's up to the audience to decide which song they like <laughs> you can put a 12 track album out and think um and 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 pick the singles you think but they will choose the songs so like our highest fun songs on spotify are not and were, were never singles you know so yeah yeah, yeah, it's a funny, um, funny dilemma, isn't it? Funny, like the way that kind of works out. Um, so, is this new stuff, all these new songs that you've written? Do you feel like they're are they different to your your normal stuff that you kind of had some new influences in them? Uh, obviously, they'll be different in some ways, but like how how different would you say they are? And I guess one thing that I've always been interested in is like was the writing different? I guess not being as focused on performing as regularly. Were you writing songs in a different way because of that? Or? Yeah, I yeah. think so, yeah. Well, as Joe said, piano, piano melody-led. So that's instantly changed from the folky acoustic melodies that we've been using. And then also there is, uh, because we didn't have the restrictions of how we're going to perform them, to your mm -hmm. point, uh, we just pulled influences from things that we'd maybe been listening to before, you know, and it all kind of all mingles together. So it's like this like a retro vibe kind of like tight tight drums and 70s kind of like bit of Motown in there a little bit of something a little bit of gospel a little just all this stuff and because we're making it ourselves and we're not thinking about how we're going to perform it 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 kind of created something new and we were so excited about getting you know one the the live streams that we've done had connected us directly to our audience 
and we felt more connected with our audience than we've ever been. You know, we say that you go and play a gig in front of hundreds of thousands of people and you don't see the green, you just see the green room and the stage and you might see some people at the merch table if they come to talk to you. You don't hear the conversations at the back of the room. Whereas now with these daily lives, we were doing it and we would have anywhere between 90 and 400 people on a daily basis, all in the comment section, all talking. And that within our writing gave us an audience to literally go, oh, they'd love this bit. Yeah. Mm. We had this kind of vibe here. Or, and we were putting it to little videos and little things like that, as opposed to thinking about how we were going to perform them live. So. I would say that the collection of songs that we're going to be releasing now is, is we, we are just trying to be positive. Like I think the message, the, the, the weaving message within the songs and the lyrics are just like, so let's find the, let's find the spark of joy in, in today, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I really like that. Um, I hadn't thought about it before, but you know, the way you interact with your audience through a, a live stream and all those comments that you get because like say at gigs like people might have those comments to their friend but you don't yeah. you get to know them up here like whether like all oh, of this song all of this part of this bit and all that little yeah, little yeah. bits of feedback that really feeds into stuff yeah at first it's a bit scary because you can hear the guy <laughs> the, you know it's the guy at the back of the room and they're like he's looking at me a bit funny is you're not enjoying the show yeah. but you can hear his thoughts he's like i love this song <laughs> you know because it's you know it's in comment form rather than in the real room but, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Like, and like you, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about the negatives of doing live streams of the different energy and things like that. But then it's nice, like you say, you're saying as well, idea about the positives, um, looking for the positive things and stuff. And there's there's a lot of them there as well with the live stream. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, hearing some other stuff. Um, so going back to summertime, um, so you had this idea of wanting to do like an upbeat summertime kind of song, um. And then how, what was the process like from having, and is that the way you normally do things? You normally have like an idea of the kind of song that you want to write. And then is there like a, a path that you usually do of like someone working the lyrics and working music or do you have an so idea of how you want to sound? It actually started out, it started out on a piano. Um, and then, and it, it didn't become summertime. And it was like, it's our summertime on piano, and David would be like, throwing the midnight drives to the beach sunrise. And then, and then, like, we kind of just went around that, that chord progression for, for ages, really. And then we were like, throwing ideas, but what else? And what else? And the crowds in the street, and you know, looking for, but it was a real slow, melancholy song when we first started it out. <laughs> yeah. And then I think I remember I had the nylon string guitar for a bit. Still haven't turned any equipment on. We've got a phone. We're just recording it into the phone. And then I think I added a riff, which actually is not really prominent in the mix now, but it was kind of important to like to like encourage the pace getting picked up. Um, and then, then we eventually did the thing that we normally do is then when we feel like we can we can stand on a corner on a street, right, and play our badly put together parts and get away with it. When we get to that stage, yeah. what we'll do is we'll normally, Joe will probably keep his guitar on and I'll just get a book out. We still write old fashioned books. Like it feels better doing that for me. And then we'll sit on the sofa and we'll spend that entire time until we know that we've got every word that we want to write. Now we'll, we'll, we'll change them, but they have to, we have to go, right? If we're walking out of this room now, we've written the song. We can't just like, you can't just put a rubbish rhyme in there and go, right, that's it done. Like, it's got to find, we've got to find a little story in every line and make sure it, it works. And the and process, the process is, it's really quite funny because I, I, every time we do it on these scraps of piece of paper, I'm like, there's got to be a better way than just writing on random bits of paper. But whenever, when, when we try to conform it on a computer and type it, it's like so, like it's like it's like you're in an office so it, it kind of takes the joy out of yeah, writing down on a scrap of paper so you, you scribble away. and then and then what we do is like Dave gets up picks up all these papers he goes right that's the verse one and then that's verse two and then over over in the <laughs> corner is verse is, is the chorus <laughs> and then he collects it all together and then and then at that point that's when we get the computer out 
and he dictates it into a Word doc, and I then I can put some structure to it, and then. And we do that for two reasons as well. It's because we write so much that we want to make sure that we're not just writing songs that disappear, even if we're not going to use them. And we're not writing them because, and we wouldn't not use them because we don't love them. It's just, there's only so many songs, we just write them so much. So if we get to a stage that we know the level of the demo that we want to provide, it's an absolute pain when your management and publishers go, oh, can you give us the lyrics as well? And we're like, so if we type them straight away, then we always have them. So mm -hmm. that's a quick one. And then and then once Joe's got the lyrics all typed up, what he'll do is then he'll perform it and I'll listen. And then I'll go, right, that feels great. And at that point, we'll get a click and then a beat. And then normally we'll always write around just a four on the floor to start off with, even if the beat completely changes and we get a drummer in it, all goes. Because if we can get his rhythms working on the foreign floor. We're not dictating the movements of the snares and things like that. To just we're not trying to we're not trying to define the genre of the song yet. We're just trying to make sure that it it feels like we could stand on the corner of a street and belt it out and it would feel great. Yes, yeah. that's that's our pattern. That's always in the back of our mind. It's like, are we going to be able to to uh, move this audio recording into a live scenario? And, and is it going to sound too different? Because that's one of the struggles we've always had as a band is like, people would come up to us and go, I love you live, I love your live performance, but it just doesn't translate into the recording. And we're going, we thought it did, but let's have, let's have a think again. And then the next time we create, let's reverse engineer it back to the live situation. So. Yeah, yeah, that's all really interesting. Um, and how do you... How, what's what's it like when you know that you've done it? Like, what's that? How do you know when you own the song is kind of complete? Is there a kind of feeling or? A, yeah, I think we walk out of the room and go, "That's the best song we've ever written." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even if later on, because as Joe said, I mean, uh, it's twenty nine songs we've written, thirty with another phone demo that's not been demoed up. But uh, we walked out of the room every single time and gone, "That's so good. That's really good writing." Well done, Joe. <laughs> right, and then you come back and listen to it, and you go, "It really is." But then you write the next one, and then it's like it's like beat the song in it. And then you write the next one, and then you look back and you go, "I can see why I like that." And there's elements of that that I really like, and maybe some of the points that Joe's bringing up about the fact that when you go to recording something, you can lose something in the recording. Mm. Um, You've got this fluid fluidity when you're playing live, and you're like, "Oh yeah, let's have, let's capture that." And then a producer goes. Yeah, but it has to be on the grid. Yeah, you have to yeah. you have to make sure it's on time. And I'm like, there's some there's like this energy that where it speeds up and slows down. But that's just not a producer's dream, is it? You know, they want they, they want to be able to lock it in and and I think you can hear the start of some of those not mistakes, but definitely how you could go down the wrong path when you listen back to some of the the demos that we've got. And that's what like we're at the stage now with these demos. Uh, that we got to with summertime first because that's the first one that we wanted to do where we just completely revisited it and even if we felt like it's done you go back and re-record it again and you re-record it I think it, it, got mixed, it got mixed seven times yeah. by three different mixes we've got you know we we did the mix as well so four by four mixes really um it got re-vocaled four or five times it, you know it, I had the bass guitar in there and then Dave went, oh, the bass is just a little bit rattly and let's let's just go re-record that. Re-recorded it and then went, we prefer the rattly version. So sometimes you kind of re-record something to realise how good the, the bit before was. was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a long process at times, isn't it? Um, I really liked what you said as well, Dave, about having, you know, Joe performing it and you listening to it. Like, that's yeah. something what I think... Yeah, there's, there is something different. Like when you're playing a song, it's harder to assess it when you're playing it, isn't it? And it's nice to yeah. have. And I guess like, you know, so you guys have been writing together for a long time and are brothers. So imagine you've got a a very good relationship with that and a good way of doing things where like, you know, you kind of, you know that you're both working for the same aim. You know, it's not like one person's going to poo-poo another person's idea or anything like that. Like, you, right. you know, you're working together and have a good a good way of doing that and giving feedback both ways and stuff yeah 
definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes understanding your role. Uh, I'm a little bit older than Joe, so that I was, I'm not the front, I'm, I haven't got this idea of wanting to carry the songs with my voice. Mm. I, I, I want to, I want, I want to, I want to be that, I want to be Noel Gallagher nipping and dipping in every now and again and singing that belter of a song, you know, but I want, I want to feel like the idea. And so knowing that I'm in that position in, in, in the band, I think that just eliminates a lot of stress because that's like, we're not, when we're writing, we'll write from the idea of like, how can, how is the, is this the right key? Is this the right subject? Like, I don't want him singing. I don't want Joe singing anything that he doesn't feel comfortable singing. Every writer must do it. We have writers coming in working with us, and you know, they they might be blues or the jazz, and they're, they're so engrossed in that that genre of music. But that's absolutely amazing because there's nothing. There's whatever your musical taste is, go with it. But when you're writing from purely a writing point of view, I don't think you can get yourself too obsessed with your genre. Because no. it's the song and the story. If you can get the song and the story right, you can get the best jazz musicians in the world to redo that song and make and make it sing in that way. Or a metal band, or you know, a hip hop. You can do whatever you need to do after that stage, and you get writers in that are thinking that stage on too fast. And and it's and you can't. I, I couldn't be told when I when I we first did it. We couldn't be told that actually that repetitive chorus that you've just written there is gold just repeat it it yeah, sounds yeah. fantastic like don't worry that you're doing it so to my point is like i would never want joe to be doing something because i thought well, that's that really big cheesy chorus that we really need so you're gonna have to keep doing that but in the same sense i'm there going just reassuring you this still sounds great even though you felt like you've sung it 10 times yeah mm. so that's interesting yeah do you use do you how, how much do you know what you're aiming for? So just thinking to that point there about people writing in particular genres, and obviously that's kind of like a style of songwriting, isn't it? To like, you know, be a write songs for blues musicians or whatever. But with your own writing, do you feel like, do you have an idea of what the song wants to be when you start it? Or is it more like a following the process as it goes and how, does that, does that question make sense? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I think it's, it's, uh... The song will be what the song is, and mm. and 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 we're led by that. So, like I said, it was it was written on the piano, and it was very melancholy. But it it, it was never meant to be that way. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. When it gets past the stage, which I said that we start the song, we've we've, we've voice demoed it, we've written it on the sofa, we've come here, we've now got it on the tablet, and we've got it around the, the metronome. We know what we're doing, and it gets to that stage. Every now and again. Not all songs, but sometimes I'll go, God, this sounds like Guy Garvey, like yeah. this bit. And then you think, oh, I wonder what Elbow would do here. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of dictates. So then you start just changing that feel a little bit more. So you'd be like, like, like a bit of a, a little bit of a tribute to that sound. Like you go, like, I like, I want to make sure I'm putting lots of different percussional movements there and I want, I want the nylon string line to follow the electric and I'll put an octave on it so it sounds like blah, 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 blah. and I go ah, that sounds cool but can't play those notes and that might dictate it a little bit but yeah yeah that's really interesting and that, then that kind of forms and so maybe that's that's the only way that we would ever say that we know what the end journey is going to look like that's the only time that you probably think well maybe we're moving this in its own way. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, there's another thing what you've kind of said a couple of times uh, that I really like where you talk, you've mentioned how a song feeling good to play it. Um, yeah. Which is something that like, I certainly when I was younger, like it's only something that I feel fairly recently that that's really been something I've thought about with writing is how the song feels to perform. And like, I certainly when I was younger, and I imagine that other writers have done a similar thing where it's like, you know, you can get, wrapped up in trying to write clever lyrics or trying to do something interesting musically and then like and I guess like think about it in terms of like with my band the songs that we've you know you see you're saying about certain songs that your fans take to more than others but also songs that we take to more than others so like you know we write yeah. songs and again when we finish the songs like oh that's a great song it's really cool but then like we would never do set lists so we'd just always be like right what we're we gonna play next and certain songs just would never pop up and I'd be like why yeah. I, really, I like that song and it's probably because it doesn't feel as good to play as some of the other ones yeah. 
I think that's a really good way of assessing it. Like, how how does this feel for me to perform? And especially, yeah, like, you good songs, you're going to play them a lot, aren't you? If you're gigging a lot. Yeah. They need to feel good, no matter how, how sophisticated they might be or uh, clever or whatever. It's uh, about a feeling. Artists, we're, we're funny people, we're funny creatures, aren't we? <laughs> I've written so many songs where it's where the chorus is goes like, let go, let go. And it's like that's the obvious title of the song. And I'm going, I'm gonna call this song purple. <laughs> <laughs> purple haze. <laughs> Do you say purple in the song anywhere? No. No. It's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> question my methods. Question my methods. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm an artist. Uh, <laughs> And then, that, and that's one of the reasons why it never gets put put in the set because you can't remember the song. <laughs> <laughs> but do you not find though, like as a performer, like you've written the song, you've been in the sound, you've you've done the, you know, you've been in the rehearsal room with the band. So there must be some reason why that song's come to life, right? Yeah. But then you go out and perform it, you get a bad couple of like I don't know. They, you know, the, 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 the rhythm section's not quite right there, or you didn't feel like the lyrics felt right when you were singing it. You didn't get a reaction from the audience. And then you put these songs to bed. We have experienced some songs that we never performed. We loved recording them. We never performed until we cool, absolutely man. changed them around. She Whispers, we just ended up releasing a whole brand new version, you know, a piano version. Yeah, and like now it. that song's got a brand new life. You know, mm. It's exactly the same song, same chord structure just stripped back to his piano yeah. from a full band setup, and uh, and that, so I kind of think that we owe it to the songs as musicians and bands to, to spend a bit of time rearranging them and just like forget about the recording like I just make a new version of it. I never understand artists that say have got the golden goose which is the hit and then go actually we're, never, we're not going to perform the hit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put the hit on every song yeah, on the yeah. set list. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll play, I'll play the hit 11 times if that's, if that's required. Yeah, it's a funny old game, isn't it? It's a funny old game. I really like that we're saying about um, revisiting songs and changing them up. And, and again, I think it's like, you know, like thinking about the world of song. Like you say, there's something in it that why you created it. And maybe there's just something that wasn't quite right there. And then, you know, your new skill set and your new... You know, the way you, whatever you've developed or a new way of looking at it, taking that part, that song, and finding a way to make it work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Again, and yeah. It, it just brings new life to it, doesn't it? And new excitement. And who are we to say that it's not a good song? You know mm. what I mean? You, you release a song and you basically become a covers artist of your own material. Yeah. Once you put it out to the world, you've got, sorry, um, uh, you, you become. A cover, a covers artist to your own songs, so you kind of put it out to the world, and then it's not yours. And then, especially when you're doing like you, you spend months and months in the production in a recording studio, and you go right, I've got to learn how to play this now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Um, yeah, that's all really interesting, guys. Uh, let's move into section two now. This is where I ask my guests to share with us a, a songwriting tip. Uh, okay. So, what would your your tip be for us, guys? Songwriting tip. Would you be, go first, and I'll go. One, or shall I go first? You know. uh, your, your phone is your best friend for ideas. If you have an idea and go, I'll remember that later. <laughs> You're never going to remember it later. Because I've, I've, I've got some Grammys that have been forgotten. Never been <laughs> 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 Do you know what I mean? Or, or like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, and you've got singing this, this theme tune. Think that, could be, that could be a good idea. Get your phone out and home it. Just Even if it's it like, because like, you'll soon find out it's not that great an idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you, you yeah. can, and then it, it, once it's out of your mind and onto the phone, then it, then you can forget about it and come back to it later. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. That's something something I never stick to. <laughs> but I always think I should. And I like same thing. I always you know loads of ideas. And I'm like, oh, it's the best idea I've ever had. This is going to be a great song. I'll remember this and never do. <laughs> yeah. I think like, my my advice would be like in just like three little bits. First one would be uh, they're important. Songs are important because I think you have the ability to just change the chords and sing different words and just leave what you were doing. But if you got stimulated for a moment by something, then I think you owe yourself and that song the 
just to go through the steps, which would be uh, at least get you on demo. Our dad said to Joe once, and it had a big effect on the way he played piano. He says, um, spend 10 minutes doing something that you can't do, right, every day. So like 10 minutes on a chord structure that you can't do, right? And even if you can't do it, it doesn't matter. You spent your 10 minutes and when you come back and do it again, it gets easier and it's easier and that becomes the new narrative. Like, you can like, this is like how you work. And it's the same as a song. Like, I think if you can get to a stage where you spend five minutes, jot down on the phone where you get to and then spend the same amount of time making sure that you love the lyrics yeah. and you love the melody. Yeah. And then if you did nothing else, but then sang what you felt was the finished version into your phone, then you've done the work that needed yeah, to be done. A song, a song doesn't necessarily have to be produced up to be classed as a song, do you know? Yeah. Yeah, it just needs to be something that you can revisit and make sure that you can, you know, replicate it again and keep going. Mm. I think the five minute rule is the best, best advice my dad has ever given us because I've seen so many five or ten because I might have just given the bad advice. It was it was there was no time limit to it. He said, uh, even if you pick up the guitar for a second, and you 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 um, if you just try something that you've never tried before, because there's so many musicians out there that just they they learn the first position cards and and that's it, Mm. and that's their development, and then. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they are they're proud of what they've learned. But it, in order to develop, you need to learn. The, like, there's, on, there's only so many notes that you can play around with. And then it's like, how do you play them notes? Do you know what I mean? So you can play an E major, an e major in so many different positions on the guitar. And if you work out all of them, and then they've got these beautiful overtones that, that might just lead you to write a song in a different direction. Whereas if you just stick with E and A, it's like that's where the frustration, a frustrated musician comes in. You've heard it all before. You've heard it all just before. Know what it is, yeah. Mm. yeah, that's brilliant. That's um, that is really good advice. Little and often. Um, yeah. Yeah, just make a lot of a lot of progress. And I think yeah, I completely agree with people. Get yeah, you, know, you can get it's very easy to get set in your ways, particularly when you get to a certain level of competence with something, and then having that discipline to to keep putting you to get to, you know, to feel like a beginner again um takes it takes a bit of discipline but when you put a little time limit on it where like you know it's not i'm going to sit in for an hour and feel bad about being rubbish at this thing i'm going to spend five minutes working on something that i know it's going to be difficult and then it does yeah it'll yeah. accumulate yeah that's great advice um and i really like what you said as well about the um songs being important and kind of giving them respecting that idea in some way yeah. Um, there's a question I was going to ask you about it, but what was it now? Of like, yeah, how much time? So, do you always finish songs that when you've got an idea, or do you like give yourself a certain amount of time to dedicate to it to see if it goes any further? Or I don't think we measure it with time because I think mm. um, because I think uh, they're always going to get tweaked and they're always going to get uh, little moments of change right up until the moment the record comes out and then we've just said there before we'll end up playing it completely different when it comes out like so then it'll change even more and then even then you know just change lyrics in certain songs you know that just reflected his personality back then to then his personality now he'll change a negative word to a positive because when we we were struggling with the label before it was so easy to like pull all these negative like ah oh, man where is this and then all of a sudden it's changing Joe felt uncomfortable feeling that way, but on stage now, so he changed it. But in regards to like time, time and knowing it's finished, it's it's that. Can we perform it? Joe will just sneak off and he'll just sit and play that song. Every sound check, he'll play that bit of a riff that we've been working on, and it's the one that he wants to go and play, and it's the one that I'll be like, that's right. I really like what you did there, and I think we should do it in this key. And if I down tune, so the next time we're in the studio, I'll down tune my guitar, and we'll just see. And it sounds like it's really complicated and long-winded, but it isn't. It's just we're devoted to what we do, and we want to make sure that we we do get the best out of these songs that we can. We're also very lucky that we've got this this studio environment that we, that we can work out of. So, like, I can be at home on a Tuesday or a Thursday because I I um, 
we pick up the kids from schools. We, we, we come in at least five times a week um, into the studio, but on a Tuesday, I'll be like on my own, have 10 minutes of playing around with the guitar, knowing full well that if I come with an idea on a Wednesday, it'll get finished to a, to a, to a standard. Mm. You know? Or Dave will just go, no, that's rubbish. Or, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? At least you know then. I always feel quite excited if Joe's brought uh, good ideas in and then we've got ourselves in a position where we can track Joe's guitar and um, uh, just a scratch vocal. Because uh, I like that then. I could just take the laptop home and just play and yeah. see what we can come out with it and say. And we've actually, most of our songs have always kind of like, even though that's most of the stuff that I've been messing about with, has been totally taken away, but it changed the vibe and it changed everything the way we thought about the song. Yeah. So, yeah. Hi, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Sorry for the interruption. Just want to drop a quick note in here to say that Swanson Project is a registered charity. If you're enjoying this podcast and you'd like to consider supporting us, uh, there are several ways you can donate through the website. It all goes towards supporting more people. Limited term allowances to write and record their original songs. If you'd also like to show your support um, for the podcast, we always appreciate any reviews you can leave us. Uh, you know, likes, shares, subscribes, all that kind of business um, always really helps. Uh, so if you'd like to do any of that, it's really much appreciated. Hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Um, let's move into section three now, shall we? This is where I ask my guests to share with the song meaningful to them relating to Um So which song have you chosen for us for this section, guys? We have chosen Will You Wait For Me? Cool. So again, I put the link for that song is in the description. If you're not familiar with the song, you want to pause the podcast here, go listen to it, and come back. Uh, you can do that. Uh, so, what can you tell us about this song? Yeah, it's a powerful song. Uh, well, this well, this first of all, the songwriting process. Um, it started off. We were writing with a guy called Dan McDougall um, in Hastings, and we were we were out there trying to write the hit. We wrote this big old, heavily produced song <laughs> that was that was like over, S- over, the, top, like, over the top dramatic. Like, you know, like we peacocked when we walked out of the studio. We were <laughs> we like, we've it, done we, it. We, we have to, done this. Sent it to the label. Sent it to management. Like, and as we're walking to the hotel, it, we peaked. And then we, yeah, we got an email back saying we don't think this is the one. Uh, I think it's just too big, yeah. too 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 large a sound. Uh, so we went back in the studio and we uh, had one more day booked with Dan. And we had now we've, we've you know, we've, we've wasted his time writing this big song that we thought had finished. Thought we'd go to the pub and just enjoy ourselves <laughs> and not have to do anything for the next day. And then we started playing around and the fact I think we wanted to, with because of that influence there, we wanted to strip back and go more to a more basic, simple, sound so we literally just wanted to be Joe's voice and maybe some harmonies and uh, around um, piano and that left three of us three individual writers and I think that we we were because of the frustration of not finding that moment and we spent all that time I think like everyone it kind of brings up bad, bad memories and, and little bits and they, they surfaced and I I don't think that we, or any of us intentionally wrote uh, a song that was supposed to be reflective of, of any of any individual one loved person, but we lost someone very close in our family when we were recording the first album while we were out in Austin, Texas. And it was really frustrating and, and, and really sad because we couldn't even go back to the funeral. Yeah. Um, and that surfaces every time that we hit frustration. And then when, whilst we were out on tour, we were looked after by one of our best friends he was our tour manager. He was a legend, um, and he uh, very, very. It happened really quickly, but we lost him to cancer. He went from one of the most energetic, happiest people, and uh, it happened really. And one of the memories of that song is that we played that at his funeral as well. Yeah. Uh, so not only did the when we wrote the song, did it ignite emotions uh, of. And and I, and I can only say that was my. I was only one of the writers in that room. There was three of us. We didn't have the conversation. We just all found the right words that fit our narrative, our story. Mm. And 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 I don't think even now we would even sit there and talk to Dan and say, "Were we all writing about the same person here?" 
because I feel like we were just really just writing about our own sadness to the people that we love and the excitement of seeing seeing them again. My, my favourite lyric is in, in the song is if, if, if you look down here I'll make you proud I'll make you proud I'll make you proud of me just because I, I, and I feel like that almost set a precedent of time on earth is pretty short so you may as well do the best you can do on a day-to-day -day basis until until inevitably you pass away so i feel like that, that's like a message that i kind of have in my life uh, whoever is looking down and, and go well, he's done all right you know he's he's tried his best and then we did the thing that we loved the most uh which was uh We'd written this song in the simplest format and to deliver it in the most powerful way. I don't know what your musical tastes are when you come to recording, but me, I either want to hear an orchestra, which we were in a tiny, tiny recording room, and I just think we didn't have that facility to do an orchestra, or, a, or an incredible gospel choir. Yeah. Now we had neither, but we had microphones and three decent singers. So we sat and we filled those in between those vocals with like a brand new technique that we still use today, which is just as simple as it is it's just standing around stick the, stick the microphone in the, the most central point of the room i'll stand around it and just seeing how many it's like take the same food note. for the day and so, i don't think there's anything better and more like soul fulfilling than than a room uh, you know singing with other human beings just just that sound that feeling especially when we get it right you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that i just love that recording that like yeah, it's going to be magic. That was the writing session, and that's, that is a, le the that's a, a legacy recording for us. Isn't mm -hmm. Like, if when I'm grey and old, and my grandchildren are running around, I'll, I'll, that'll be one of the songs that I show them first. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful song, and yeah, the harmonies are really beautiful in it. Um, yeah, and I was just thinking then, as you're talking about it, you know, the what you're saying about what you know, like the positivity in the songs. And again, this is one where it's, you know, it's, it's obviously dealing with something difficult and painful, but it's looking for that positive in it, you know, as you think about making them proud and, you know, and they're waiting for you. So that kind of the reconnection in a way. Um, yeah. 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 It's a beautiful song. And yeah, it's Thank interesting. It's, it's interesting as well, like you said about like people collaborating on something without it being um, just a word that I'm forgetting here. I'm not, I'm not remember what it was, but you know, like focus, like uh, like about one singular personal point. Yeah, like explicit, like this is what we're writing about, but like we're kind of this is this is what we're writing about, but not, you know, not yeah, not pinpointed on the same same experience, same thing, and bringing those different insights to it. Yeah, it's a bit like saying I don't know, it's like saying a random word. It's like saying happy, mm. right? We're going to write about happiness, but we're not going to tell tell each other what we view happiness is. Yeah, yeah. So that then you find a word or a line in the song, you know. So when you look down here or, or something like that, there may be, uh, you know, it, it may be our, you know, our, you know, our, the idea of, of heaven. It, but it, but from a one sense, but the other person in the room is not thinking of heaven. They're thinking of of just, you know, that's, you know, something else that feels like what gives them peace, you know what I mean? So whatever it is, and, but not saying it, what that maybe does is it allows you to write a song that connects with everybody yeah. because you're not pinpointing it into one belief system or one idea. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I do remember writing that day and I feel like uh, we, it was, it was kind of like exhausting. Oh. But in a really like, I remember getting on the train afterwards and I, and I was listening to it and I was like, and the, it was the, the train was packed and I had it on repeat. And Dan just sent it straight through to us, the, the, the first board mix. And I, I just remember being so like, I was like, I can't believe that we've written this. Yeah. Like that, this is like proper music. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have done this. But I just remember it just like slowed time down. And that's all I've ever wanted to do with music is like add a soundtrack to a life or to feel like it. And I, I don't know, I'm mega proud of that song. Mega proud. Yeah, yeah, it should be. And another thing that I was thinking about with it is that, you know, how, so yeah, I really like that, you know, that 
songs where they can mean different things to different people, people can use them in their own way. But also then you start forming it uh, at the funeral and like where the songs, you know, meanings of songs change over time depending on circumstances like that. So like, does the song feel different, you know, knowing that it was played at, at that funeral and- Yeah, massively. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we worked with an artist called Megan O'Neill. Um, we produced her last album. And she, when she was, when she was presenting her songs to us uh, as producers, she was like, oh, I've got this old, got this old song that I wrote about four years ago, but I don't know if it's any good, so well, I'll, I'll play it anyway. So she played it to us and uh, it, it was incredible. We're like, that's, that's definitely going on the album. And then later, a week went past and she was like, do you know what I'm finding out here is that you are, you almost write your future as a songwriter sometimes. So you write a song and then it becomes true five years later. Like she wrote a heartbreak song and she was in a really loving relationship. And then five years later, she's in, you know, having this heartbreak, but do you know what I mean? So she's mm, kind yeah. of wrote, wrote the future. And I feel like that's what really worked for me. We did that with that song, especially once we played it at its funeral. Comes to life, and it? Like a different way. And also going back to previous conversations that we had, is that you, you we, we now stand on stage with two guitars and some ambient sounds with, with, with you know, uh, that we have. But we don't have the piano on stage with all the time. So it's kind of built new ways of performing it. And it feels different. It's different energy. And sometimes it reminds me of when we wrote it. And sometimes it reminds me of, you know, when I think about Sean's funeral, you know. It, but it, I can't say that it makes me feel sad. It makes me, it makes me feel reflectively kind of grateful in a, in a weird way, more than sad. Yeah. Yeah, kind of connected to those people and those uh, yeah. events in a way. I really liked um, what you were just saying then, Joe. Like, again, again, I connect with it a lot. You know, when, and I think it's something about when you when you are open with the songwriting process and you're just kind of going through it, a lot of times yeah, it is like you write your future in a way. You write something which at the time you don't fully understand, but then a few years later you're like, oh, that thing, what I said in that song years ago, that was smart. That. I didn't know yeah. <laughs> I meant that at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a bit weird as writers because you think um, it's that big question because someone, when, when someone goes, so what was this song about? And it's kind of like being alive now for so long that you kind of go, gosh, I remember the exact, <laughs> exact reason we picked up the guitar to write that song now. And then you feel like a... No, yeah. well, I like, I, what I like now is when a, a fan comes up and says, oh, this is what, this is what your song means. I'm like, oh, that's great. No, that's that's amazing that you have your interpretation of because I don't know what it means sometimes. <laughs> we wrote a song called Lucky Ones, and uh, yesterday we got an email from a fan uh, that emailed us, and uh, uh, I won't say any names because obviously it's bad. But she lost someone in her family really recently, and then had a bit of a health scare, and then she took the lyrics of our song Lucky Ones. Uh, and she, it's hope, hope can change your life, hope can change your mind. And uh, she took that as a, 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 quite a bit of a kind of like life lesson. Like I'm just, now I've been, had this big scare, I'm always going to look really positive. But when we wrote the song, we were being quite selfish with our writing. We were writing about like, we really want our careers to get to the next stage. We weren't thinking about, like people using it as something to reflective to think that they're like so it is great it is amazing i love that people kind of reflect music in that different way i think we're better songwriters now because we've let go of that that chase you know mm. like it's like we're just what what is it that's making us happy at this moment in time okay great put that out because if you love it then someone else is going to love it and 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 having that ease of a process is just so much more fun than thinking, I wonder if, I wonder if, you know, uh, somebody 959 on Twitter likes my song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that's just, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about it, isn't it? Yeah, like, no, getting those kind of things from people who have been affected by your your work and it's had a positive impact in their life. It's yeah, just, absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah, such a gift.
Um, I, I've always said before this that I always feel a bit conflicted. Where like, I kind of I I like the mystery in songs as well. Um, like I'm a huge Tom Waits fan. I don't know if you've ever seen Waits. Tom Waits. Yeah, genius. Um, but have you ever seen his, his VH1 Storytellers show? Oh, no, I've not. No, do I, I'm a, you're not going to ruin this for him. It's on YouTube, I think. It's well worth a watch. But there's a bit of that where he sat at the piano and he's playing for and he says, a lot of these songs, I don't remember where they came from, but I'll make something up that might be better. <laughs> so he's got a whole... And so just like, like he tells all these little random stories, but you've got no idea if they're true or not. Like one of them is like, this one uh, was taught to me by a kid in the alley before a show. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. But um, so I kind of love that. Like, and I think his mindset is he's not going to tell people about what the song was to him because he wants it to be open to their interpretation, which yeah. I really love. But then also I host the podcast where I ask people to tell me how they wrote their songs. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I kind of feel a bit conflicted with it at times, but. Um, but then yeah. there's a little bit of gold in there as well, which I always find like quite fascinating. Is is that like Tom Waits? I don't, I don't need to know where he wrote his song from. Mm. Like, I don't think he needs to know. Like, isn't that the whole point? Like, you 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 know you 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 pull your paintbrush out and you close your eyes and you just go, and you know you might you create something really beautiful. You sometimes trying to think of how that picture got made. It's like, yeah. I can't, it can be quite taught you can torture yourself to do it so maybe embracing the fact that music is magic and it comes to you in some sort of way like it's not clever it's not it's not it's just a thing that happens and if you keep doing it more and more and more you get better at channeling it but it's still like just hot luck as well hot luck is just <laughs> the way isn't it like, yeah because I mean, van gogh painted way more flowers than the the world the, the the famous one, you know, but the famous one was the one that, st that stuck. So, yeah. but he woke up and just like enjoyed painting. Yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds like a good point to, to end this podcast on. Uh, so, thanks a lot for your time, guys. I really enjoyed talking to you. No, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. And um, so I put the links in the description so people can check it out and uh, follow you and come see us live and get the new single and uh, so is there going to be a new album coming out fairly soon with some of these new tracks on That's the, um, yeah we're just going to keep putting a, a lot of music out this year starting with summertime on our spotify we've got all of the gig show gig dates that are getting added on a daily basis that's the most up to date or dumbwells.com as well um and then new music getting added all the time brilliant yeah thanks a lot for your time guys um, take care see you later Thanks, cheers now, and thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back in another episode soon. Mm -hmm.